Stand together. Have you come to lift the Lord up? Once again, I'm here. 
Father, today we lift up your name, Jesus. You are worthy of all the praise, the glory, and the honor. Besides you, there is no other. When we put you beside the others, they all must take a back seat, for you alone are worthy. Today we lift you up, we magnify you, we exalt you together. Anoint us today. Let this service be filled with a special anointing. Anoint me to be able to minister to these folks the way that you poured into my spirit. For this I will give you the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen in this house today. Amen. I want to give a few announcements and I'm going to get right into the word this morning. The first thing I want to mention is 100 days of glory for everybody that has done that. Do you regret it or are you glad you did it? I'm glad I did it. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I did it. And uh, for our church's sake, God sent a wonderful blessing to us. It was a great financial blessing that God blessed us with during this time period. That's one of the things God has done, among other things, uh, that I don't have time to report everything. But I have personal things God's blessed me with, and I'm sure you could testify to the same. Uh, it's not wasted. God has blessed us during this time. And so I want to thank God for everybody that's participated in that on April the 11th. You will be able to eat, drink, or do whatever it was that you sacrificed. How many of you got April 11th on your calendar? I had some super spiritual people that were like, I think I'm just going to go on. I was like, well, God bless you. I'm stopping. All right. April 11th, here you come. So that day will be the day, of course. April 10th is the 100th day. And so thank you all for participating in that. God really blessed us, and we praise God for that. Next Sunday, junior talent lunch and practice until 230 I pray for the kids as they prepare for this. They're doing a great job. Brad is doing a wonderful job. I don't know where he is. He may be hid somewhere. But anyhow, Brad, Allison, all the people that have been helping with that, thank you guys for everything you're doing. They're sounding good is what I'm told, so we praise God for that. Also, Ladies' Day Out, uh, everyone please see a sign-up sheet. Uh, I believe Janice, um, did you talk to Janice? Where's Janice at? Melissa's doing it for me. Melissa's right here, sitting right in the front. She's going to have a... A sign-up sheet this morning. If you're a lady and you're wanting to go, if you're 18 and above, that's who it's for. And on April 9th, that is this Saturday, is the plans for that. Leaving the church at 745, breakfast at Hendersonville Cracker Barrel, shopping at Asheville Outlet Mall. So that's going to be exciting. And so see Melissa this morning and sign up. She'll have a sign-up sheet. You just write your name on there. We're just wanting to get a count to make sure that they can do some reservations at the Cracker Barrel and such. Also, we have Widow's Next Meeting. Um, Susan uh, Finley has taken that over. She's doing a great job with it. This is their second meeting, actually. I went to the first one and just peeked in, having a really fun time, great turnout. Uh, the next meeting will be Tuesday, April the 12th at 12 noon. They're going to have lunch together. They're going to be serving soup, cornbread, and dessert. Praise the Lord, somebody. Along with Bible study, fellowship, games, and surprises. You are going to get a little bit of everything. So you don't want to miss this. It's going to be good. I want to encourage everybody, keep a check on our website, um, uh, gapplcog.org. We have it on the sign out there. Uh, look on that. You can pull up the calendar there. You can go to the app store and type in G-H-C-O-G. Pull up our app. You can hear sermons there. One of the main things is so you can click on the calendar. We have our softball games listed there, upcoming events. If you've got questions about that, you can look. If you need me to help you find it, I can help you too. Me or Sandra One will help you get to it. It's not that hard. Once you get there, you'll love it. I uh, just want to recognize Rhett Duncan Roper today. I see J.D. and them back there. It's so good to see you guys. Uh, Rhett was born on January 11th, 
22, of course, this year, weighed in at a 5 pounds and 15 ounces, 19 three-quarter inches long. Uh, J.D., you might as well just kind of stand up and let him at least see that baby. Everybody's turning around. You're the center. He's the center of attention, not you. Look at that baby. All right, congratulations, guys. Congratulations. That's, that's baby number one. We've got about six more on the way, so just praise the Lord for that. I, when I came here, I told these younger folks that hadn't had kids, that's how you grow a church, get the work. So we, we, we're going to do it one way or the other. So uh, I love hearing babies, seeing babies running around. That's a great thing. And um, it shows you that your church isn't dead. It is well alive. Today, continue to pray. We have uh, Donna Johnson, my mother-in-law, who got some results today. Weren't the best results that we were uh, hoping or praying for. She had had some bleeding going on from some fibroids. They did find some tumors uh, on her bladder this morning, and which was causing a lot of that bleeding. And so they removed all of those. Just pray that, that none of that is, is, um, is cancerous. And um, he had a positive outlook on what he saw. He was able to remove all of those. So we thank God for that. But we're praying for a um, positive outlook. Won't know that till midweek. So be in prayer for her today and the days ahead if you would as well in our family. Today I want to go straight to the word. I want to speak on something. Spirits that are set against the church. There's one thing that I learned a long time ago. I want to get ahead of the devil. I don't want to be caught off guard by the devil. I like staying, I don't like him staying a step ahead of me. I want to be a step ahead of him. I don't like reactions, like reactive when it comes to fighting the devil. Reactive means that something happens in your life and you respond to that. Oftentimes, and I could preach a sermon on this, but I really don't have time to do it all. What reactive is, is if, if Scott is attacked by the enemy and he's not prepared for that attack, he is going to respond accordingly. And oftentimes in our flesh, we respond badly to things that we're not plan, planning for. We lose our heads sometimes when it hits us and we weren't expecting it. And that's the way the devil wants to attack us because he knows if he can get us to respond in our humanity instead of in our spirit, he can gain the upper hand on us. But there's another word that is called proactive. And proactive means before the enemy attacks, you've already set up the garrisons, you've already set up the barracks, you've already, you're prepared. Just waiting so when the enemy attacks, it doesn't matter what he brings, you're ready for it. And so today I want to be proactive on the enemy because I understand something very, very clearly. And I understand that there are spirits. There's a spiritual warfare going on today, folks. I've been preaching about this for several weeks. I almost feel like I'm in a series and I don't even do series. But we've been talking a lot about the spiritual warfare and, and in several services, I've even made mention that if we could see above our heads today what is going on in this church right now, for many of us, even though we're Christians, it would scare us to death. If we just understood what the forces of darkness and hell are trying to do in your life, what they are trying to do in your families, what the forces of evil are trying to do in our churches. But today, I come against every spirit in the name of Jesus. And, and I'm going to go ahead and do something that Jesus did a long time ago. He called them out by name. See, we can allow the devil to sneak in. But when you know that devil's name, it has to respond. 
You remember whenever the Gadarenes, when Jesus came to the shore and the man that had legion in him, he came to him. And what did Jesus ask him? He said, what is your name? I've got to identify the spirit that I'm fighting against. And he says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And at that moment, he gained authority and power over it. He called that devil for what it was. Let's go to Acts chapter 28. I've got to hurry today. Now, when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. This is the Apostle Paul writing. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome. Because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and he laid them on the fire, there was a viper that came out. Why did the viper come out? Do y'all see this? It was because of the heat. And he fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, that just freaks me out thinking of a snake biting me with its fangs and it's just holding on for dear life. They said one to another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But what did Paul do? He shook off the creature into the fire and he suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time, they saw no harm come to him. They changed their minds. And then all of a sudden they said he was a god. They literally started worshiping Paul, thinking this guy's a god. But really, it was the God of heaven that was at work. And Paul let them know that. So Paul is on a journey to Rome. This will be the last journey that he will ever go through. And he's heading actually towards his death. But Paul faces one of the most horrific stories that you will ever read about. One of the most horrific storms. It is much like the storm that Jonah faced. But Jonah's ship was not destroyed. You remember they threw him overboard. In Paul's case, God allowed the ship to be destroyed. But you remember an angel had stood by him and said, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to protect your crew. And so the, the waters are coming over the top. The waves are just crashing over. They are taking on more water and they don't have a bilge pump back then. They can't just click the button and the bilge just bilge it out. And so they're literally getting the weight of this water. And, and for those that know, when you're in a boat or a ship, the water's supposed to stay out there, not in here. There's a problem when the boat starts taking on water because eventually what's going to happen to the boat? It is going to sink. This storm was so bad that it has crashed. It has broken up the ship. It is destroyed. There are a few stragglers that have swam to the shore. There's others that may be older and not as fit. And they grab a board and they begin to allow the waves to push them. But nobody was lost just like God said it would be. Whenever they get there, there's some natives of the land. The Bible said they begin to build a fire. To remove the chill and to dry them because they are soaking wet from the rain and the water. But what I find in my scripture is that Paul was not content with the temperature of the fire. So what does Paul do? He said it's not hot enough. And so he goes and he gathers some sticks. Because anybody with a brain in this building, you understand that if you're building a fire, more wood means more fire. If you don't put wood on it, what happens to the fire? The fire goes out. That's common sense. It's logic. And so for whatever reason, he appreciates the fire, but he says it's not hot enough. He begins to throw some more wood on it. He's not content, so he gathers these sticks. He throws it on we will, what we'll call today a mediocre flame. It, it is flickering, and he does it in order to increase what is going to take place here. Now watch, I want to show you something. 
in our churches today, I'll say it this way. There was a commandment that God gave in the Levitical priests a long time ago. He said, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall not go out. What God told us a long time ago is for the church today. And he said that if the fire on the altar ever goes out, then we've got trouble in the house of God. There has got to be some stick gatherers. There has got to be somebody in the house that says it's not hot enough. We need the fire a little more intense. We don't need mediocrity. We don't need a flickering flame. We are the church of the living God. We are the Acts 2 chapter 1 through verse 4 church that is filled with the Holy Ghost and with the mighty burning fire. We are born in fire. We are going to live in fire. We are not meant to contend with smoke. We are not meant to contend with a flicker and a flame. The church of God should be alive and it should be well and the flame should be burning. But as he was moving around and he's messing around with the fire and he's putting his sticks on the fire, the Bible said a snake came out. Evidently it was a poisonous snake because the men thought that based on the serpent that had bit him, it has to be venomous because... They say if this beast bites you, it is natural that you die. Maybe they've lost some people that got bit by this serpent and they could not save them. But at that time, they said he's going to die. So the the snake comes out of the fire, the Bible says, and latches on his hand. Now we all know today that that old serpent is the devil, right? Even in Genesis the first couple chapters, we read that there's this serpent that's more subtle than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And we figured out who that serpent was. We identified him in the beginning. We know his name. His name is Satan. His name is Lucifer. He is that devil. He is that old serpent. But I want to show you a few things. First off, I want to show you cozy snakes. Y'all got it? Cozy snakes. Now, I find it interesting that the snake literally, scripturally, came out of the fire. This indicates that the snake was comfortable in a certain amount of heat. Are y'all still with me today? He is comfortable as long as the fire is not flaming too much. So he's cozied up underneath there and there's a certain amount of fire. See, I've told you for years and it bothers me. But I'm afraid that in some of our churches, we got some cozy snakes. I believe we've got some cozy serpents, some of the demons of hell that come to our church every week. They sit on the pew. They're disguised as an angel of light. They're just cozied up in there. And I'm telling you, if there's any place that the devil should not feel comfortable. Oh, God help us today. Help Jimmy. If there is any house that the devil should not feel comfortable. I'm not talking about Walmart. I'm not talking about the movie theater. I'm not talking about a singing I'm talking about the church, this house. Every demon in hell ought to want to stay 100 feet from this place. Every time they try to come, this place should be so covered with prayer and anointing and power that the demons say, we can't go there. We want to go there. We want to get in there because we want to break things up. And I'm afraid that in the modern day and in the modern church and in our quest to be relevant... 
I was picking at them today, and we were playing, me and Brian pick about sermon series as I could preach for 10 weeks. And we pick about relevance. And I was talking about old Tim the Toolman Taylor. He had home improvements, and I had a drill in my hand because somebody said, are you going to use that today? It's just this morning. And I looked down, and I said, relevance. Mm. We could do home improvements, but we'll change it to heart improvements. Yeah, that's relevance. That's what these churches do. Just get something relevant. And I was picking at them with that. But I'm afraid that we've created a culture to where we have, we have watered down the gospel so much. We have watered down our Christianity so much. Until now, Satan is not threatened by us. A matter of fact, I'm afraid that we are living in a day that Satan is intimidating us rather than us intimidating him. And I've come to tell somebody today, that is not the will of God for your life. The will of God for this church is not that. So I'm afraid that when we get cozy snakes, that, that, that we've got to take care of them. It is when the fire was increased that the serpent was exposed. So once the fire gets so hot, if there are little demons trying to linger around, they've got to pop their head up. And we'll deal with them at that moment. Watch this. I am convinced that there are spirits that have lived just beneath the embers of mediocre flames and mediocre fires for a long time. It is serpents of bitterness. It is serpents of jealousy. It is serpents of lust. Listen to me. When I was growing up, we had two ladies. I won't call no names just in case they're watching. But uh, we had two ladies in our church. And I remember as a teenager, I was growing up and I thought to myself... Why do they never talk to one another? I'd watch them after church. I just wanted to see. Never shook hands. Never, And they went to church for years and years. I'm talking at this point probably, probably 40 plus years they've been in church together. Why don't they ever talk? They should be best of friends, right? Come to find out, well, years ago they actually were like roommates. When they were younger and they were roommates and all this kind of stuff. Come to find out, they had a falling out. And for years and years, they had come to church They had sat on their pew. They had acted spiritual. But I'm going to tell you something. You can act as spiritual as you want. If you've got bitterness and envy in your heart for another brother and sister in that church, that ain't the Holy Ghost in you. Now that may be old-fashioned preaching, but it's the facts. You can't go to church and hate your brother and sister and then talk about how full of the Spirit you are. They had done it for years. They had spoken tongues. They had sang their songs. They had done their thing, acting as if everything was wrong. But one night in the middle of a revival, the fire got hot. The power of God was filling that house in a way. As a teenager, I can still vividly remember it. I can still tell you some of the things that took place that night. I can tell you miracles that I saw with my own eyes that happened that night. I saw a woman that hadn't walked out of her wheelchair in 20 years get up and walk across the front of the church. Yeah, that'll get your fire going. I mean, I know Benny Hinn's been staging it for years. Don't everybody shout at once, y'all, like I send him money. I'm sorry, I just called him out. Because they followed them. They followed these televangelists and they've seen and come to find out that they took some of their cast with them. These people could walk fine. These people were better off than I was. And they'd walk through that line and act like they couldn't walk or act like they were sick. And then they'd act like they were healed. Get up, dance, and shout. Are you kidding me? 
This woman, we knew her. She had been in that chair for 20 years, got up, walked across her. The fire was hot. And I remember that night, Miss Phyllis, as we were closing the service, the fire had gotten so hot, it had exposed that serpent that had been so cozy, just sitting there for years. But all of a sudden, those two ladies made their way to the altar and started praying. And that night in that service, when the fire got so hot, I saw them go to the center of the church and they embraced one another like sisters should do. They cried on each other's shoulders. It is all because a snake that had been so cozy had been exposed by the fire of the Holy Ghost that started burning in that house. Oh, God help us today. I'm telling us some snakes have grown old with the church. They've never been exposed because no one has ever added any fuel or flame to the, or to the flame, any fuel to the flame. But when there is intensified prayer, when there is intensified fasting, When there is unity, when there is commitment, you can be assured these spirits unleashed by the enemy are going to be set out to hinder your ministry, hinder your church, hinder your family. The next thing I see, I see cozy snakes. I may have to make this one a two-part series. Secondly, I see swollen hands. So the snake puts its fangs in the Paul's hands. The expected end is what I told you, that Paul is going to swell up, he's going to fall down, he's going to die. When he did it, those that had a a bad view of his ministry, they changed their minds, started worshiping him as a god. The church has been bitten many times by the snakes that Satan has sent our way. A matter of fact, I would even tell you that there have been times that our hands have swollen up. And there are people that have watched as the church took a hit. It may have been a scandal that hit the church. It was the devil that had bitten. And they saw the church swell up. And they thought to themselves, it'll never get past this. There were even some on the outside that looked at us and said, oh yeah, they're going to swell up. They're going to fall down. And they're going to die. But I want to say to all the critics and I want to say to all the devils of hell that the devil did not succeed. He may have bitten us, but we are not going to die. We're stronger than that. We are the church of the living God. For goodness sakes. Paul has a hand bitten. In the Bible there's a five-fold ministry. You remember that? So the hand is symbolic of the five-fold ministry. It is the pastor. It is the prophet. It is the teacher. It is the apostle. And it is the evangelist. All of these have suffered from the bite of the serpent. There are some of them that sure enough have died today. Because they allowed the serpent to bite them. And they swole up and they died. However, the church of the living God has learned something. It has learned that the snake is not meant to kill us the snake is not meant to stay latched on the snake that has bitten us is meant to be shook off into the very fire that exposed them in the first place now we don't showcase our snakes we don't give the devil glory We simply shake them off. The same fire that exposes them is the same fire that consumes them. The serpent might bite you, but rest assured, it will not kill you if you'll just shake it off, just like Paul did. But then we have something called squeezing snakes. You ever heard of a python? See, they they don't bite you. Nine times out of ten, they don't bite you, right? They squeeze the life. So all snakes don't bite. There's some that just squeeze the life out of you. And oftentimes they leave every bone intact. But the oxygen, you can't breathe. So you can be constricted long enough and you don't have to even break a bone to do so. 
But if there's enough constriction in the right area, even in my neck right here, if I held it long enough and cut off the carotid artery, to my, I, I'd pass that right here on stage. I'm not going to do it for y'all, all right? I had a guy one time that taught karate. And he said, Jimmy, you want me to teach you how to take a man, man down? And I thought, yeah, sure, why not? He said, come here, sit in my lap. I just sat down, all right, buddy, just show me. And he goes to my head and he held it. And I, I just passed right out. And I woke up, whoa, man, what in the world? He made me faint just like that. Well, if my mama was still alive and heard that, she'd get him. I never told her. Anyhow. Some of them just squeeze the life out of you. And I'm not as concerned sometimes with the bite of the serpent as I am the squeeze of the python spirit. Because it can wrap itself around a church. It can constrict the muscles just enough. And it will kill that church. It will leave the structure intact. But when the serpent leaves, the church is dead. And I'm telling you, that is exactly what has happened in a lot of churches across America. The snake has come in and squeezed the life out of them. And then walked away or slithered away. The church still has leadership. The same pastor is still in position. The church is dead and dried up. It is all because of a serpent that got in there and squeezed it. See, everything that appears to be alive isn't alive just because you've got things going on doesn't mean that your church is full of life that, that was good that was, that was a good point now I, I want to show y'all something the true test of whether a church is alive or not is simply the moving of the Holy Spirit in that body if I've got to go to church and if I've got to be in a dead no fire on the altar church I'd rather not go that's right, I said it. Don't sign me up. Oh, but we've got an awesome soccer team. I don't care. You should see our kid program. We just got this awesome slide that slides down into the kids department. What I want to know is, is your kid saved and is your kid filled with the Holy Ghost? I'd rather have listen. When I was growing up, we had kids in the altar speaking in tongues. In the Pentecostal church. I remember, you can't teach that kind of stuff to them. It was just the spirit would come on. I saw kids lined up in the altar speaking in an unknown language. I'm telling you, we just don't see that anymore. Why? We have shifted our culture away from the fact that children can get filled with the Holy Ghost too. They can be full of the power of God too. And we've changed our culture. And now we lack a generation that's full of power and anointing. So no, I'm not worried about the slide. I'm worried about the spirit. Quite frankly, the other things really don't intimidate the devil. It is when the anointing comes into the place. So, so today i got to hurry. I'm going to deal with three spirits. And, you know, sometimes God shows you male gender, female gender. All right? Today, I'm going to deal with the, don't be offended, ladies. But all the three spirits I'm going to name are females. I'm so sorry. I'll get them in next week, all right? But this is for every one of us. This is not just for the female. This is for all of us. And I'm not going to read scriptures because of time's sake. I'll just tell you the story. The first one that the church is encountering that God said we would face is the, Hero the Herodias spirit. Does anybody know what the Herodias spirit is? It's Matthew chapter 14. This is that behind the scenes spirit that is continually planning and plotting, allowing other people to do the dirty work. That's what the Herodias spirit does. The Bible said that Herodias used her own daughter. Have you ever known somebody that got somebody else to do their dirty work? Anybody ever known that? 
Have you ever known anybody to go behind the scenes and just do a little conspiracy, a little conspiring, and be like, hey, would you ask them that? Would you say this to them? Would you figure this out? And what it does, it exposes this person that really may even be innocent. Herodias is back here hiding, saying, hey, just bring me word back. This is, it's a dangerous, oh gosh, it's a very, very dangerous spirit. A matter of fact, she used her daughter to dance before the king. This spirit will usually not come through the front door of the church. It will not openly attack anyone. It will work long and hard and it will inspire other people to work against you. I preached a revival at a certain church in a certain part of a certain state. And as I was preaching at Free Will Baptist Church, I will, I will give you that much information. And I remember I was preaching that meeting. The Holy Ghost broke out. I'm telling you. Now, I, I love Baptist folks. I really do. A matter of fact, uh, I told you last week, I've been to Baptist churches. I've got a Baptist preacher friend that can preach the socks off most of our Church of God preachers. So I'm not knocking that at all. But I went to that church, and this is no lie. Uh, evidently, they didn't believe in what was going on, but... I was praying for people in the altar, and I'm not one of the, I'm not going to try to push people out. I do know the Bible talks about being slain in the spirit, drunk in the spirit, and things like this. And I'm not going to sit there and beat you. I've seen people punch people in the stomach and hit them in the head, trying their best. I've seen preachers try to knock people. It drives me insane. Pentecostal preachers get in the flesh. They grab somebody's head, and they like walking like this. Oh, God, have mercy. And they finally just follow them, and they have to. Unless they can run backwards 15 miles per hour. I mean, the guy's got the upper advantage. He's running forward. They're going backwards. Hallelujah. And at that point, you just act like you in the spirit. And I've seen them do all that stuff. And I remember they'd call people up. And I remember I'd go to pray for them. And sometimes, this is no lie, before I'd even touch them, they'd be on the floor. I, I, I've never seen anything quite like that. I, I had never experienced anything quite like that. It was just a special revival. It was so And, and then what made it even more special is they weren't supposed to do things like that. This is a free will Baptist church. You don't speak in tongues in a free will Baptist church. You definitely don't lay out in the floor in the spirit in a free will Baptist church. And there were people, numerous people, that had never spoken in tongues that were getting baptized with the Holy Ghost in the altars every night. And I remember that guy came. I saw him. And when I saw him sit on the front pew, I knew God helped Jimmy today. We're still on Facebook Live, right? Here we go. He may still be stalking me. I knew a serpent had walked into the house. I'll just call it what it is. And I knew from the moment. I felt the spirit. When I got ready to preach, I felt the hindrance coming from that very spot. I knew. He sat on the front row. He wanted a front row seat. Little did I know that he was one of the leaders over the Free Will Baptist Church. And I remember that night. I said, oh God. Well, I'm just going to do like I've always done. I'm just going to pray for people. And so I go and I start praying. People getting filled with the Holy Ghost. People are falling out. And I'm like, my Lord, this is crazy. This is really a show for him tonight. God, prove to him you're real. I walked up to one lady. He's sitting right there on the front pew. I, God gave me a word. I spoke over her life. I laid hands on her. When I laid hands on her, I will never forget. She was a bigger lady. I'm just going to say it like it was. And she fell on the floor. They had concrete floors. I can tell you, I heard it with my own ears. Her head, I'm going to tell you something else. I didn't have catchers either. I don't do that junk. If you in the spirit, God will take care of you. And when you quit having catchers, you'll figure out if people in the spirit or not after a couple of people bust their head. It wasn't stopping them. That's how I knew the spirit was involved in this. 
When I laid hands on her, that woman hit her head. I heard it two times, Chad. It nailed. Bam! She come back up. Bam! Double hit. I thought, my God, she's dead. She fell. God knows what he's doing. She fell right at the feet of that preacher from the Free Will Baptist Church. And he's sitting there, and I saw his eyes get big. And he just stared at her, waiting to see if she was going to move or if she was going to breathe. Well, she stayed out about 15 or 20 minutes. But after that, that little lady got up, didn't have a headache or nothing. And she just walked off praising God. But do you know what that demon did? He went and instead of talking to me, I was right here. All he had to do was face me. I mean, go ahead. If you're going to bite me, latch on, buddy. But he started going out and he started getting other people to do his bidding. And this was the words that he used. He said, that man, he is of the devil. Speaking of me, he said that. He said, he is of the devil. And I will never forget that Free Will Baptist preacher I was preaching for. And he went to lunch with me the next day. And he said, Pastor, he said, I have thought about quitting this revival. He said, I have had calls. He said, you remember that guy on the front pew? Yes, I remember him vividly. I remember him well. He said, that guy went back to the other leaders and told them everything that was going on in our church. He said, they told me to shut down the revival. That what was going on was not of God. He said, but I've prayed. And I can't deny what the Lord is doing in my house. He said, we're going to have revival. We're going to go on a few extra nights. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? Sometimes the serpent won't attack you he'll just use other people that is the spirit of Herodias see Herodias was on a path to take out the prophet and the man of God a matter of fact John the Baptist was the guy he's in prison through the seductive dance of a young girl every sense in the king was stirred the passion in the king was stirred by lust it's a nasty word it will get you every time lust got in his heart do you know how lustful he was in that moment? I, I didn't think about this until I was reading it today. He got so stirred up in his lust, he looked at this young girl and said, What do you want? I'll give you half of my kingdom. Can you believe that? Lust is nasty. He was going to give her half of everything. That is crazy. And so she goes back to her mother. Hey, Mom, what, what, what do you want me to do? He says he's giving me anything. We can have half of this kingdom. We're going to be rich. She said, get the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter. And because the king is with his friends, because of the conspiracy of a spirit that he did not even diagnose, a spirit that he did not recognize, it had sat cozy right there at the king's table for years. It was the spirit of Herodias. He didn't even realize the snake was right there. And it was attacking the man of God. See, the main objective of Herodias is to silence the voice of repentance. To silence the voice of conviction that leads to revival. Because there's one thing I must tell you. John John the Baptist is the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What is his message? His message is repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He had hell all stirred up. And revival was about because you cannot have repentance and confession without having a massive move of God and a revival breakout. And Herodias knew he had to be stopped. Oh my God. And sure enough. His head came on a silver platter. Listen to me really closely. To every leader in this church, I want you to hear this very well. If God has put you in a position of spiritual authority, I want you to know that the Herodias spirit is after you. 
I'm going to say it again. Now, you can, be, you can be reactive, and you can wait until it hits your house, and then try to deal with that demon, or either you can go ahead and set up the post and say, wait a minute, uh-uh, not me, devil, not today. I'm ready, I'm waiting, I'm proactive, I'm ready for you. You go ahead and attack me if you want to. Because I want you to understand the Herodias spirit is out to remove the head. Because if the head is removed, the body is useless. And it is dead. Now understand this with me. The Herodias spirit. What happens when the head is taken off? Think about this. You have no hearing. When the head is taken off. You have no speaking. You have nobody preaching or prophesying. You have no vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I've often said, if Satan can destroy the head or the leadership, he'll destroy the body. That is why on every leader in this house, hear me and hear me well. There's a mark on you. There is a mark on you. And the Herodias spirit will do whatever it has to do to try to take your head. I'm telling you, be ready for it. Secondly, I got the Jezebel spirit. This is a dominating and controlling spirit. This is a spirit that is out to silence the voice of revival. If it can silence the truth of God's word over your life, it will. It is amazing to me that Elijah, the fire prophet, the rain prophet, ran from Jezebel shortly after standing up against the prophets of Baal. He called down fire from heaven. But the spirit of Jezebel is an intimidating spirit. That means to make timid, to be filled with fear by threats. The definition of another is the intention to harm. But I want to tell somebody something today. The devil is good at intimidation. A matter of fact, sometimes in the middle of the night, the devil tries to intimidate me when I wake up from my sleep. He tries to tell me all the negatives. He tries to tell me all the things that are going to happen. He tries to tell me and bring anxiety and fear. He even tries to make me feel like I'm not good enough. But I want to tell somebody, the Apostle Paul knew how to deal with that spirit. Because he told young Timothy, he said, boy, let me tell you something. God has not given you the spirit of fear. You are full of the Holy Ghost. You are full of power. Don't you allow a Jezebel spirit to quiet you down. You preach the word. You be instant in season and out of season. Don't let that spirit intimidate you. There's some people in here today you need to hear. Do not allow that spirit to intimidate you. You are filled with the Holy Ghost. Jezebel is not mentioned anywhere else until we get to Revelation chapter 2. And this is one, and it's not one and the same person. She's dead naturally, but her spirit has transcended time. And was contended with in the New Testament. You read about it in the church of Thyatira. You can't always keep Jezebel out of the church. But you don't have to give her an office in the church. Thyatira literally handed her the microphone. And told her to start preaching. Start prophesying. That's why God said know those that labor among you. Don't be intimidated. Lastly I'll leave you with this. The Micah or Michael spirit. 2 Samuel chapter 6 verse 16. Some of you know Michael as the lady that was married to David. This spirit is the spirit, I believe, that Satan has brought against the church as much as anything. And that is the silence, the voice of praise and worship in the house of God. And in many cases, he has done a good job at it. Some people don't think praise is necessary. Some people don't think shouting is necessary. Some people don't think that the Holy Ghost is necessary. Come on, somebody, I'm telling you. They don't believe it's necessary. But what I know is that when I get in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will run the devil off. He can't stay around the Holy Ghost. 
He might can camp with me and camp with you. But when the Holy Ghost comes on us, the devil's like, I got to get out of here. That is why every spirit that has ever come in contact with Jesus immediately had to tell him his name. And had to fall down on its knees before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because the Holy Ghost was on him. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach. He has anointed me to set the captive free. He's anointed me to cast out devils. My God, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Now, we know Michael was David's wife, but in this certain scripture, she was not identified as David's wife. She was identified as Saul's daughter. Why? Because she possessed that same critical spirit her father did. That suspicious spirit that her father had. She accused David. She found fault with his praise. The ark is coming home. You remember, he danced before the Lord with all his might, shouted off his ephod or his priestly or kingly garments he shouted it off and she tried to silence him Saul tried his best to kill David he threw javelins at him and David is representative of the spirit of praise he embodies praise that is why we know him as David the harp player that is why we know him as David the psalmist he wrote songs That gave praise to God. My soul will continually. I will bless the Lord at all times. I mean he's constantly writing. Let everything that has breath. Let him praise the Lord. He is the picture of praise. And so the spirit of Michael came upon him. And thought I can shut him up. Can I tell somebody that Satan has tried. To shut up the church. And to shut up their praise. I was walking down. Y'all's little history wall down here. You ever get interested about what the church used to be? Y'all to walk down here, look on your left. There's all kinds of pictures. Y'all can see Ruby when she was like 16 years old and stuff like that. Yeah. It's been a couple years ago. But, but you can see it on that wall. And let me tell you something. I'm walking down through there and I'm looking at preachers and stuff. And, and I wasn't here. I don't know everything. I'm, I'm, I, no, I don't. And I, but, but I can tell you. I've heard that through some of those years, some of you have been here. You talked about how rough it was and how that. The enemy came against the church. And, and some of you were here and you, you went through those eras. All I'm telling you is that what Satan was trying to do, he was trying to steal your praise. He was trying to take your voice. He was trying to take away. Because at one point you walked in an anointing. At one point you may have walked in favor. At one point you praised loudly. But Satan tried to stifle that. You may have not known it at the time, but I'm here to tell you what it was. It was the spirit of Michael. It was a cozy serpent that had gotten in here and was working against the church to try to silence her. But I want to tell the devil and I want to tell every person in this church today, we are still here today. We may be battered, we may be bruised, but guess what? We still exist. The church of God is moving forward. This church is moving forward. We will not be silenced by the spirit of Michael anymore. Get on the keyboard, Sandra. I close right here. That spirit is still around. They are all around us, folks. But the answer is the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's all we got. And when the fire reaches a certain temperature or degree of heat, these spirits, as well as others, and I could name a lot of them, but these spirits are consumed by the fires of revival. Because when the fire gets so hot, what does the serpent do, folks? What does it do? It exposes the serpent. I'm going to leave you with this. Shadrach, Meshach, 
Abednego. Anybody ever heard those names? They are standing at the brink of being thrown into a fiery furnace, fiery pit. The king has built a statue. And he said, if you don't bow down and worship me at the sound of the trumpet and the trombones and all these whatever they were, play it over there. And they start playing. Everybody bows but three boys. All by themselves they stand. So what did Nebuchadnezzar say? Y'all remember this? He said, all right. The fire's not hot enough. Are y'all ready for this? I just saw this this morning and it tickled my soul. He said, the fire's not hot enough. How many times hotter are you to make it? Does anybody remember? What is seven? It is God's perfect number. So the enemy got it backwards. And he thought, if I can get it hotter over there, these boys are going to give in. They're going to bow. But what he doesn't understand is the children of God like it hotter. We need it hotter. For the hungry Christian, for the one that wants to be closer to Jesus, we're saying, heat it up, heat it up, heat it up. Woo! Watch this. So, heat it up seven times. I'm going to give you one more time, boys. Play the music. Hit it. I hope it sounded better than that. Anyhow, everybody starts bowing, but there's three boys that just stand their ground. Oh, King Lifer, we are not bowing down. You can cut it up even more. Go to God's next number. Let's go to 21 when God answers prayer and brings a miracle. I don't care what number you use, but you just use the perfect number. So the Bible said that some of the strong men, right, we'll call them the serpents. We'll call them little demons because they're working under the power of a demonic king. And so those snakes grabbed the Hebrew boys and said, here we go, boys. You're doing in the fire. You ready for this? What happened? Well, the three Hebrew boys are... Huh. I thought seven times would burn them to a crisp. Well, they're not, are, they, are they dead? Oh, well, king, king. Oh, Ronnie over here. Ronnie! Somebody help Ronnie! What's wrong with Ronnie? The fire was so hot, it killed Ronnie. The Bible said, you ready? The Bible said that every one of those serpents that grabbed them to put them in, the fire was so hot that it killed them. What I'm telling you is the fire got hot and the demons died, but the church of God went on. And so while Ronnie and Don and Gerald over here are laying on the floor because they couldn't handle the heat, there's three boys walking around in the fire and the fourth man looks like the Son of God. The heated fire, the increase, actually brought them closer to Jesus Christ. Let's stand. Oh, God have mercy today. My prayer today is that we will not be intimidated by the bite or the squeeze of the serpent. My prayer today is that we as Christians will continue to add fuel, add wood to the fire and allow God to lead us into what I'll call a last day's revival. I don't know about you folks, but I literally have a yearning in my soul for a genuine, powerful, fiery, Revival. 
you fall in my soul. Did y'all notice where I started? I didn't say for you to have revival, did I? Not yet. I'll get to that, Brian. I'm not going to leave you out. I said, I'm yearning for a fire to burn and consume me. See, I read a story a long time ago. I never forgot it to this day. When the guy got down on the ground and he drew a circle. And he said, Lord, would you allow revival to start in that circle? And then he stepped inside of the circle. Sending the message that we can talk about the revival that everybody else needs. We can talk about the fire that everybody else needs. How everybody else needs to be closer to God. Or we could say, you know what? I'm going to be the one to step into that circle. I'm going to be the one that I want God to consume. I'm the fire. I want God to put the fire down on me. I want the fire to fall. I want the Holy Ghost to fall. But I'm not going to say, God, let it hit Ernie. I want it to hit me and then... You know what fire does, Ernie? You ever seen it? They had out a fire hazard that day because the wind was blowing. And what that means is if you're not careful, it can start over here and it can end way over yonder, miles down the road. And I'm telling you, that is exactly what Satan is scared of. And he cannot just sit cozy when it starts happening. Because as the fire burns in me, eventually it's going to burn in you. Eventually it burns in you and you and you. Next thing we know, we've got something we don't want naturally, but spiritually we do. We want a wildfire. Okay, Father, thank you for your word today. Oh, God. Let us not be intimidated by the serpent. Though it may bite us, though troubles may come, Sicknesses may come. Bad reports may come. Sometimes we, even brokenness may come. Stress may come. Anxiety may come. I'm asking you to let the people of God shake that serpent into the fire in Jesus' name. I am asking you right here, not for the church down the road. No, Lord. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for my house right here. 3540 Wahala Highway in 6 Miles, South Carolina, 29682. I am praying for this address. I am praying for this structure. I am praying for this house to be consumed with the fire from the Holy Ghost like it's never burned before. Let it start in me. Today, they're fixing the sink. If you want to come to this altar, now's your moment. Is there anybody that wants to say, Father... Let the fire burn in me. That old devil's been attacking me. He's been fighting me. But I'm going to tell you, child of God, if you'll pray a little harder and get just a little closer to Jesus, I'm telling you, the fire in you is going to expose the serpent that's attacking you, and then you're going to shake it off in the same fire that you built in your hearts, the same fire that that serpent jumped out of is the same fire you're going to shake it back into, and it's going to consume him. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Sing, Brian. My God, I praise you. Oh, Christ be magnified.